Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. What is going on, everybody? We're back. Uh, we keep saying goodbye and we keep showing up. Here we are. But uh, today is our last show officially. Welcome to the final NHL strategy show of the season. Uh, Stochastic NHL strategy show sponsored by Bet365. I am your host, Josh Harris. Joining me, as always, no, Jake Jake doesn't show his, his face on, on YouTube anymore. He's too good for us. He hasn't since the All-Star break. But joining me, as always, Slim Cliffy, how are you enjoying the first three days of the playoffs? I'm enjoying them a lot, man. Um, those 30-minute staggers are perfect. Like right at the end of the very first game, you get that overlap where there are three playoff games going at the same time. You have uh, hockey, playoff hockey going for six-plus hours each night. I mean, you got to love it. Uh, you know, not every game, every minute of every game is super thrilling. Um, that's just the nature, but it, I, I like the games that I've watched have been pretty entertaining. Even like, I think most people would have agreed that the Islanders Carolina would have been pretty boring to watch. And, you know, maybe the first game wasn't the best last night was a really good game to watch. So um, it's been pretty good hockey. Um, we've seen some, <laughs> a lot of road teams are winning, uh, <laughs> you know, um, there were, there are not going to be a lot of series that go home to, or go back to the other city. Um with the team with home ice advantage up to nothing. And that makes for a lot of uh, possible interesting outcomes. So I'm really enjoying um, the early part of the playoffs. Also as a Montreal fan, like I got a cup final run a couple years ago that was completely out of nowhere and completely unexpected. And now they're in the middle of a rebuild that's starting to take shape and looking kind of good. So I just get to watch everybody else's fan bases just tear each other apart. And it's kind of fun in a sadistic kind of way. So I don't know. Pretty good playoffs for me. How are you enjoying? I mean, I'm pretty low stressed, even though my Rangers are in there. I, you know, I'm a New York Jets fan, so I'm used to disappointment. You could all say that about my first marriage, but like, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I just think, um, man, like there has been some wildly bad coaching decisions. There have been some bad goalie plays. It's just like Sorokin let in some weird ones last night. I mean, Sorokin and I mean, that that goal, the, you know, the own goal where his player batted it in, like, okay, maybe the deflection came from like 45 feet away or whatever, but at the same time, like that's such a weird play. Like the, the player basically slung the puck. Um, behind him, 45 feet low blocker. Like, that, you just don't see that. Um, he was looking yeah. in the corner, it looked like. Like, he was expecting the puck to go around the boards. I think that's well, what And if you look at the replay, the, when the puck bounces right in front of Sorokin, it bounces to the left, like, three inches or four inches or something like that. If it bounces straight, it goes right into his pad, and we're not even having this conversation. And I, I think that goal perfectly encapsulates, like, what playoff hockey is all about. Like you're controlling, you can control the play and you can be playing well and your goalie can be hot. And then all of a sudden your defenseman basically bats a puck out of midair backwards 45 feet and goes low blocker on your own goalie on a shot that would have hit his pad if it didn't bounce to the left three inches. Like that's, that's literally the margin of that game last night. So like, on playoff hockey, man, there's nothing like it. Um, I wish I was doing better in DFS, that's for sure. 
Uh, I got uh, blank last night. I went with Islanders 3. I was so mad because I had Islanders 2 and then decided to switch to Islanders 3 to upgrade a defenseman, and then it all fell apart. And I, I would have, I probably would, I wouldn't have won anything, but I'm pretty sure I would have at least cashed. And, you know, those are the decisions you make. And, I've been making them all season long. So hopefully you get a little respite from that as the playoffs wear on. How'd you do last night? I cast. I ran back the exact same lineup from Monday. Um, it fit, even though people got a little bit more expensive. Evgeny Dadinov and Wyatt Johnson had a big game. I cannot believe Dean Evason went to Mark Andre Fleury last night. I know it, that, like, we're talking about it the next day, which sounds a bit results-oriented, but, like, Gustafsson just had, like, a 53-save double overtime win, and he turns to Marc-Andre Fleury, who let in almost four expected goals above expected. Like, he had an awful game. Like, I, I mean, cannot believe they went to Fleury last night. I mean, it's not only that. It's, like... At least, like, if you look at Allmark and Swayman, like, Allmark had the better season, but at least Swayman was pretty good. And if Boston decided to go to Swayman in game three, I probably wouldn't agree with it, but at least I would understand. Going from Gustafson to Fleury made no sense. Like, by any goaltending metric we have, Fleury was the definition of league average this year, while Gustafson was, you know, he only made 39 starts or something like that. But in those 39 starts, he was one of the best goalies in the league, like amongst the top half dozen with like the Saros and the Hellebucks and the Allmarks and, and Sorokins and those guys. So, it, it, like I said, if you were going to a 1B that was somewhat in the neighborhood, I could kind of get that. But there is a clear, clear number one here when you look at their performance this season and not going with them. It was just a big mistake. It's just that simple. I still think Dallas would have won that game. Neil Hartman was out. Yeah. Their top center was Sam Steele. Yeah. Had like, like Dallas, of- like, let's get that straight. Dallas played extremely well last night. They were probably going to win that game regardless, but it's, you know, the difference between 7 3 and, and, you know, 3 2 or something. Yeah. And then, you know, Edmonton had a 2 nothing lead. Started taking those passes. Penalties. Everyone started up with the yep. from the Oilers, but they settled down. They got a big goal from Slim Clim Costin, and then they hit the empty net, and they're going to LA tied at one. Yeah, and I I, I think we, got, we, kind uh, of expected, we kind of expected Edmonton to win that game, though. Like they dominated the first game. Let's get you know, and they just got undisciplined. Los Angeles and they don't, you know, they played well again last night. So I think Los Angeles is just happy to get the one, one split, get Velarde back in the lineup and hopefully they'll get Kopitar back eventually or Fiala. Sorry. Yeah. They, they got the one, one split. The problem is McDavid hasn't scored a goal in the series yet. It's coming. I think, but anyway, we have the four games tonight. And I said on Twitter yesterday, after Bunting got suspended three games, it's forcing Keith to break up Bunting, Matthews, and Marner, which may end up being a good thing. The issue is the Riley-Shen pairing is atrocious. Hull can't play meaningful minutes. He just isn't defensively responsible enough. They should have put Lilligren in the lineup. They did move ROR down to the third line with Kniez and Asai Berry, which like is going to be a good third line, way better than they had. The issue is that puts Kerfoot into the top six. And, man, like, we're, we'll talk about it in a second. Let me get through these ad reads real quick, and then we'll talk. We'll start breaking down these games. Make sure to, like, give us a like and subscribe. You know the drill. Like, if you don't know the drill, you even watch hockey, bro? Give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Don't forget to sign up for the Stochastic Hall of Fame by changing your avatar on DraftKings and FanDuel by going to stochastic.com backslash avatar and downloading it there. You place in the top three of a contest with over 5K contestants. You can no longer do that on DraftKings because DraftKings didn't run the $5 poke check today, citing the data that doesn't fill, even though it is the only contest that has the only contest that has filled every time during the playoffs. And you can tweet the win to at StochasticHOF on Twitter. If you don't have the tweet box, you can email us with the screenshot. You get 
a one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum, which is a $120 value, which gives you all the tools for all the sports. We'll have a deal with that later. And don't forget, we are sponsored by Bet365. We are also have a deal for you a bit later in the show, but let's get into that Leafs game. Tampa Bay Lightning with a 2.9 total heading into Toronto. The Maple Leafs have a 3.5 total. Andre Vasilevsky, probable. Ilya Samsonov is confirmed, as I was alluding to. Bunting got suspended for three games, which was also a bit surprising. I thought it was just going to be one game. He doesn't have a massive history. I thought, like, if it was Kadri, three games would have been fine. But, like, that hit was real dirty. Um, Three games is kind of crazy. But, you know, the Department of Player Safety, they're not human. So it could have been anywhere from no suspension to, like, three years. So, But Ryan O'Reilly moves down to the third line with uh, Matt Kniez and Noel um, Akari. That... It's an interesting line because Ryan, like when Ryan O'Reilly got traded to the Leafs, his offensive impacts were really, really good, but his defensive numbers have kind of slid a little bit. Now, that being them being a third line will help solidify the bottom six. I just don't know how good a Ryan O'Reilly and Matt Kinney's line is going to be defensively, but it does lengthen their lineup. Moving Yarncrock up with Matthews and Marner is better than having Bunting there. The problem is that puts Kerfoot into the top six, and he's just a massive boat anchor. He's going to drag down Tavares and Nylander. I think the biggest issue, honestly, is still having the Riley-Shen pairing. They're just brutal. Now, on the Tampa side, Michael Essamont is out. Victor Hedman is a true game-time decision. I haven't seen anything on Eric Chernak. It looks like Tanner Janot is going to be in that in the lineup, so he's probably just going to slide right into Essamont's role. The top six remains the same. The first game, we were kind of on both sides, and we were kind of expecting the Leafs to win, and they just kind of did the Leafs thing. The playoff Leafs arrived. They weren't ready for the moment, and they looked awful. This game's a little bit more interesting because Juno hasn't been in a while. The Leafs have a bit of a deeper lineup, it seems. I think the analysis maybe changes a little bit because of the moving parts. Yeah, it it, it does change a lot. Like I want, I just want to talk about like injuries and guys that are in and out on both sides. Like you said, Essamont hurt, and they haven't officially said Juno officially in and on his line or anything like that, but that's where he had been playing um, before he was injured. And it just makes the most sense because the, you know, the fourth line played well last game, they won, they're not going to change up the top six. So, you know, you just switch one from one and that's it. That's it. Now I think that's important because um, Janot will be going on a line with Nick Paul and you know, before Esamon got hurt, that Tampa line wasn't playing particularly well. But, I mean, it was half of one game. So, like, you can't really judge anything. But um, Paul had played uh, a fair bit with Janot after Janot got traded from Nashville. And they were not good together. Like, I, I think, you know, Tanner Janot, um, I think he had one goal after he came over from Nashville. One goal in 20 games or whatever it was. Um if you look at their on-ice expected goals against numbers, so their defensive numbers, they're pretty good. They're much better than league average, but they're not generating any offense. So they're actually getting outplayed. And that's why, like, that's why I agree with you. I think the O'Reilly Kniez line is kind of interesting here. Cause like, like, let's be honest, Kniez looked good. He only had what, I think two games at the end of the season in the regular season with Toronto, but he looked good in those games. Um, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, I don't think he's the defensive player he was five years ago, but he's still a pretty good offensive player. In fact, I was looking at some five on five data, uh, tracked by a guy named Corey Snaster and, uh, Ryan O'Reilly had one of the biggest increases from last year to this year in scoring chance creation in the league for an individual player. Like he, I think his went up like nearly 50% individually just in one season. So maybe he's sacrificing some defense to add some offense. That might be what's going on. But regardless, he put up pretty good defensive offensive numbers this year. The problem is he had some bad assist luck in St. Louis, but you know, that's certainly turned around in, in Toronto. So uh, it's weird because three days ago, I was thinking 
Tampa Bay's bottom six might be a pretty big advantage in this series for them. And now that, you know, Toronto realized that they should probably have a good third line um, and Esamont's hurt, it might have, the pendulum might have gone back in the other direction. And now I think Toronto three makes one of those nice, uh, super cheap lineups, like, or uh, yeah, super cheap stacks that you can put in, like just the two men of, of O'Reilly and Knees or something like that. Like, if you look um, at our ownership, um, I'll bring up our ownership real quick uh, from Stochastic. Matthews, 30 some percent, Marner, 25%, Yarn Croc, 20. There's a whole bunch of guys in double digits. And then the third line, O'Reilly, 2%, Achari, 3%. Like, those guys aren't going to be played here tonight. And I think with Esmont out and the way Paul and Janot were playing at the end of the season, it's not a bad matchup for Toronto 3. So I think, like, we're going to get into the uh, cheap lines later in the slate. But if you're looking for a filler-type stack, I think something like, you know, O'Reilly and Kniez to go with your Colorado stacks or whatever, if you're playing Colorado, uh, is just fine. Now, looking at the top six... <laughs> the top line was pretty good with Kyle Yarncroft. Like, we do have to say that. 3.4 expected goals for, 2.3 against, like, 4.2 actual goals for. Um, here's one thing that people might not realize is that Matthews and Marner play a lot. Um, play a lot off the cycle. Like, there are a lot of ways to play offensively in the NHL, but they generally get binned to do two groups. One is... Uh, off the rush and one is off the cycle. Matthews and Marner actually play off the cycle quite a bit. And that's one thing that Kelly Yarncroft is really, really good at. So I think Yarncroft makes a lot more sense there than almost any other winger that they've tried out there this season. And it makes me, a, you know, a believer in Toronto one. Like I said, they had really good offensive numbers this season. Um, they're going up uh, against Tampa one slash Tampa two. I'm going to get into that matchup in, right now, actually um, in the game one, they actually sent out Matthews against the, that Sorelli Kalorn line quite a bit, but that was when, uh, you know, John Tavares and William Nylander, Ryan O'Reilly was the second line, right? Um, now that Ryan O'Reilly's down on the third line, I don't know that they want to put, um, the Tavares line out uh, against top comp. And they're certainly not going to put their third line with O'Reilly and Knees. So I imagine Matthews goes back to that Kucherov matchup and like, you know, Tampa two or Tampa's top line has struggled defensively at times this season. They're a little bit better down the, or they're a little bit better down the stretch, but still below average and really relying on Andre Vasilevsky. So I hate to say it, but I think I, I don't mind going back to the Toronto top line here. Um, I do have concerns with the Toronto blue line because I don't think they're playing their good puck movers. Like I, I'm with you. I would probably play Lilligren over one of like Shen or Hall or something like that. Um, they, I do think they need more puck movers in the lineup, but it is what it is. I, I think Toronto one is just fine. Again, Toronto two, like they were fine with Kerfoot there. But if you look at the ownership, they're coming in with 13% ownership, which is basically bang on uh, their top two stack probability. Um, and they're coming in, you know, basically the, the same ownership as like New Jersey and Vegas and a Rangers, uh, one of the, you know, both Rangers lines actually that are all in the similar price range. So I just think when they're coming in bang on and uh, bang on with their top two and, you know, the power play, it looked good. Um, I have some concerns um, about its longevity. And, you know, with the way that they've broken things up, there's only one guy on the top power play unit now on that Toronto second line. So it's it's Toronto one for me on the Toronto side, maybe Toronto three if you need a filler. On the Tampa side, I'm going to be honest, like I have absolutely no problem playing Toronto one here or Tampa one here tonight. I really don't um excellent leverage uh they should come in all single digits tonight or close to it depending on the contest i have no problem with tampa one tampa two though has played really really well together and one thing i noticed is anthony sorelli's shot quality this season in particular has gotten a lot better like he is really getting better with his uh shot selection and that was something that had hampered him in prior seasons. And I think it's one of the reasons why their offensive numbers look so good together. 
like 3.4 expected goals per 60 minutes, 4.7 actual goals per 60 minutes for that Toronto or for that Tampa Bay second line. That's better than the Toronto top line this season, both numbers. So like I, and they're going into that Toronto or that, yeah, that Toronto second line, it has Kerfoot now. So maybe they're going to be a little bit better defensively, um, but they're coming in with pretty low ownership. They're only 12,500 on DK. I think it's Tampa two. I kind of like as a secondary stack here tonight. Yeah, we were on Tampa three the other night, but like Janelle, I guess is fine. He's min price, but I'm kind of in agreement with you. Like in my one lineup, it's going to be tough to play Tampa. I think you can. They played well in the first game. Can can I I just make one more point why you might want to play Tampa here tonight? Yeah. Um, There's a goalie, an ex-NHL goalie. His name's Mike McKenna. He wasn't like a regular goalie or anything like that. He was kind of like a fringe NHL, AHL type goalie. He had a Twitter thread this morning talking about just watching Samsonov in game one. And he's pretty convinced Samsonov is playing hurt. And he pointed out a bunch of highlights of like Samsonov kind of struggling a little bit to get up and, you know, being a little bit slow on his pushes and things like that. And once you see it and, you know, somebody that knows what they're talking about points it out. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. And I, I, I hate talking about an injured goalie because it is one of those things. Like if you tell me a, a goalie's injured, I'm going to stack the hell against them for sure. And that's why I kind of hesitate saying it. But this is a this is a former NHL goalie saying he's pretty sure that this NHL goalie is playing hurt. And he showed video evidence why. I, I, I just think there's at least a little bit of merit to it when you like Samsonov was really good this year and he looked like absolute dog water in that game. Like the worst that I've seen him play this season. So I, maybe there's some merit to it. Yeah, maybe there is. Um, that's something you can take a chance on more in, you know, MME. You don't really want to, unless you really do like Tampa one anyway, and then you just play him. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing yet. Um, I think Tampa one's a fine contrarian option. I, I'm in agreement with you on Tampa two. Especially Sorelli. Um, just want to leave Kalorn off. You know, Kalorn's one of those guys you leave off, he kills you, you play him, he does nothing. You know what I mean? So, like, if you have a Kalorn, you know, fetish, or I know some guys who have Kalorn fetishes and love betting his points every game, but you do what you do there. I'm more on the Toronto depth. I do like O'Reilly, Guinness tonight. Um, that top line with Yarn Croc is also of interest. I don't have much interest in Toronto two tonight. I guess you can one off Tavares. You can one off Nylander. You can add him into a power play stack because Tampa's penalty kill is not great, but you know, I think Tampa or I keep doing that. We both do that. Toronto, Tampa, Toronto, Tampa, Tampa, Toronto. I'm in on Toronto one and Toronto three. Although if the Leaf, if the Leafs want to get blown out in four games, please. By all means, go ahead. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't hate it. Yeah. Wouldn't hate it at all. New York Rangers, the 2.6 total heading into New Jersey. The Devils have a 2.9 total. Igor Shesterkin, Vitek Vanacek confirmed. Vitek Vanacek price went from 8100 to 7000 today. Oh, that's FanDuel. Look at me. He's 7700 on DraftKings. Okay. Look at me. Catching my mistakes. Uh this game, the Rangers' first game kind of went as expected. No, not the score. But, like, the first 10 minutes of the game, the Devils looked shell-shocked and the Rangers took advantage. And then for the rest of the game, it was kind of Devils were like, oh, crap. Like, this is a little bit more physical and Igor is really good. I think they make adjustments tonight and this game's a little bit closer. Lindy Ruff might be panicking a little bit here. He mixed up all three lines, I believe. No, he left Palat, Brat, and Hughes together, but he moved uh, Timo Meyer up to the top line with Nico Heischer and moved Tomas Tatar off, which is a mistake, I think, because Heischer Tatar defensive numbers are ridiculous. I think that brings Kreider's advantage at Kane into play where they were not really an ideal play on. Tuesday because they're going to see a whole bunch of Heischer Tatar. Now I think they're playable. They're coming in with 4% ownership. The second line coming in a little bit lower ownership. The chalky line in this game are the Devils. They're, again, very chalky. 
I, I, I get it. I just, I know, I know it's a four game slate. I'm going to sound like an absolute homer here, but like Igor looked very, very good on Tuesday. I, I swear to God, I was watching that game yeah. and I was thinking in my head, like Igor just treated the regular, it felt like Igor just treated the regular season. Like it was a six month exhibition. Yeah. Game. And then he was like, all right, time to play well now. Yeah. He just, he gave up that, that shootout or the uh, penalty shot goal to Jack Hughes, which is a really nice move. Cause Igor is very good on the, on the yeah. uh, shootout, but like he just, he made some, 10 bell saves early in that game to really suck the air out of that building. But like you want to play the devils. I think that's fine. I just, I'm going to get to that level of chalky. I just don't know if I want to do it against Igor. Yeah. I. And the, we should say like, it's not like it's terrible chalk either. Right. Yeah. Like people that watch this show will know you know, we slagged the Nashville Predators back in March when they were, you know, 4% top two probability, but 25% owned or something like that. Um, I'll bring up our, our top stacks tool again. I'm going to bring it up a bunch today because it might be my last, well, it is my last chance to do it for probably like six months. Um, here's New Jersey, like 14.4% top two stack probability on DK, 17% ownership, 14.7% probability on the Hishir Mercer line. 12.8% ownership. So like they're both pretty close, like, you know, around their leverage. So like, I don't have a problem playing them outright. The mix-ups of the lines tell me that these lines aren't guaranteed to stay together this game. Um, if the Rangers get up a couple goals or something like that. I also don't know how the line matching is going to go because they didn't really stick Hisher out you know, all game long against the banish ad. It was basically only like half the game. Which I thought and, was weird. I thought that Yeah, was weird. In, in fact, they used that Bockfist hollow line with Meyer on it as a shutdown line at times against the banish ad. It, but now that Meyer's not there, that he got moved up the lineup, are they going to put Hisher back on like sole shutdown duty of the Zabanish ad line? You know what I mean? Um, that's what I'm kind of wondering. Like, I, 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 I think it's going to be Hisher against the banish ad for most of the five on five matchups, but, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see if they change up a little bit. I also noticed that they were sending out the Jack Hughes line against the kid line every now and again last game, um, which, you know, I like the kid line. That favors the Jack Hughes line quite a bit. Um, on the devil's side, like, to get to that year point about Tatar, like, I, I mentioned it on Twitter earlier today. Their expected goals for, like, I'm just talking offense here. Um, you know, the defensive numbers are, are relatively similar. They're better with Tatar, but at least they're in the neighborhood. The offensive numbers are just night and day. Like, the expected goals for generated with Tatar and Hisher on the ice, it's something like um, 60% higher than it is without Thomas Tatar there. Like, we're not talking like an increase of like 10 or 15%. It's literally like 60% uh, with Tatar. And the goals follow. It's not just expected goals. They also score at that rate. With, and they played pretty well. Like, they gave up, I think, one bad goal against in that game. Okay. it You know, it's it's it, it was Dawson Mercer. It's his first playoff game, you know, in a shutdown role. You know, pseudo shutdown role, I guess. Like, give him a little bit of a break, Lindy, for the love of God. Anyways, um, I don't think it hurts the Hisher line that much. Because to reiterate... Hisher's numbers are considerably worse without Thomas Tatar on his wing this year. But I view Timo Meyer as a pretty good replacement for him, right? Like this isn't Yegor Sharangovich um, or Mike McLeod or, you know, Miles Wood, Miles Morningwood getting the call up. Um, yep, yeah, rise up. Um, this is Timo Meyer. He's a legitimate top 10 left winger in, in, in the league. So, I think the numbers will still be fine, but it seems like a pretty big gamble to take yeah, I guess, you know, you got to do in the playoffs, but um, it, it really does worry me. And it makes me wonder if how long Meyer actually stays on that top line. Again, if the Rangers get up a couple goals, like when Meyer was there, uh, you know, they did generate, they did play together um, in the regular season. They did generate a fair number of shot attempts, but Meyer played a lot better on the Jack Hughes line. So, you know, if you want to play Meyer, Hisher, Mercer, I think it's fine. I would probably uh, dip down to that Hughes, Brat, Palat line. Um, 
you're they're probably going to see uh, a fair bit of uh you know that Panarin uh Trocheck second line they're probably going to see a fair bit of that kid line um you know that devil's second line three and a half expected goals 4.4 actual goals um this season they were they weren't that great in game one I expect to bounce back in game two like if anything on the devil's side it would be the Jack Hughes line I'm not again. I'm not power play stacking. It's a really bad power play stock spot for them. So it's 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 the Hughes line or nothing. But I, I'm not super keen on playing New Jersey tonight. On the Rangers side, everything looks basically the same as it did last game. There's no there's not much ownership on them. Uh, first second, like the third line is going to be a little bit overowned because they're a filler that can uh, squeeze in with Colorado. Uh, but I, you know, I I think all three Rangers lines are perfectly playable here. I don't like have a real lean on either line. In a nutshell, I would rather get the line, uh, rather get the Jack Hughes line. So that would lead me to Panarin. And one thing, <laughs> this is interesting. One thing that I noticed when looking through the numbers this morning for the Rangers power play since Patrick Kane got there is Artemi Panarin is basically the trigger guy now. Yeah. It he leads the top power play unit in shot attempts by a lot. I was looking at it earlier today. It's it's something like 25% higher than the next closest guy, and that's Chris Kreider. I think it's Kreider. It might be Kane. Either way, like Panarin's kind of turning into the trigger guy, which feels weird, So, but, you know, we'll go with it. I thought him and Tarasenko played well in game one. Um you know, Tarasenko scored, so easy enough. But I, I thought they did play well together. They did play well in the regular season. 2.9 expected goals for, 2.8 against. And again, like we said on the first show when we covered this series, Panarin is usually one of those players that can break expected goals. So that they're generating 2.9 is pretty good. So with Panarin figuring so prominently on the power play, with this line playing well, with then probably getting second and third line matchups, I think I like the Rangers' second line here today, even though they're not that correlated on the power play. So I think it's both second lines in this game that I like best. But I just in a nutshell, I would probably rather play Rangers 1, Rangers 2, or Rangers 3 over Devils 1, Devils 2, or Devils 3 tonight. Yeah, it was kind of weird because they – didn't really start practicing that type of power play until like last week where they're kind of moving Mika around, which is weird because he was electric in the, in the uh, playoffs last year on the, the power play. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor. Because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He wasn't at practice yesterday. He skated this morning. Maybe he's a little banged up. Panarin has a great shot. Don't get me wrong. So, I, you know, I, I do kind of like that Rangers 2 call. I, I kind of don't mind adding in Chris Kreider because he's always involved in the power play, it seems. Sure. And, um, yeah, if you need a filler, I think the kids are fine. So I, I'm kind of on board, and it's, you know, you can call me home or whatever. I prefer – for DFS, anyway, I prefer the Rangers side. Now I need to address this Devils fan in the chat here. <clears throat> <laughs> disagree with the take that eager played so great four power plays no shots here's the thing if you're not going to get shots how are you going to get tested on the power play the rangers penalty kill is very good the devils were not ready for the physicality of the rangers penalty kill they clogged up all the lanes you can't get tested if you don't get shots he looked great at five on five so you tell me, Mr. B-Man. We'll see at the end of the series um, what's going on there 
five I on mean, five was not. I, 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 I kind of agree. Like the Devils didn't look great offensively, but like you know they only put up what twenty eight shots or something like that. But even if they put up forty shots, they're losing that game. So that's... they looked absolutely shell shocked the first fifteen minutes of the first period. They kind of settled down. Then they got Igor. Like Igor didn't give up a five and five goal. It's just an awful performance. I don't. I don't know what you want me to say. Yeah, KJ just putting words into my mouth. He didn't give up a five on five goal. What? Like he? Okay. All right. I let it go. We'll move on. Woosah, Captain. I love Devils fans. As we mentioned on up, we are by, uh, sponsored by Bet. 365 way make money from the books is to take advantage of great promo offers when they become available and have a great one from bet 365 the only way to get this is to click the link below in the description you sign up you make a deposit the the min deposit is ten dollars but you can bet as low as one dollar and get two hundred dollar in bonus bets at bet 365 bonus bet Sorry for sneezing. Bless you. Bonus bets are winnings are added to the bonus bets balance. Bonus bet wager excluded from returns. Terms and conditions apply. Only available in New Jersey, Colorado, Ohio, and Virginia. They are expanding to more states, so make sure to check that out. Seattle with a 2.5 total. Going into Colorado, the Avs have a 3.5 total. Philip Grubauer, Alexander Yorgiev were are confirmed. Uh, Avs kicked off Nishushkin and put Lekkanen on the top power play unit. I was kind of hoping they would add Lekkanen and take off Confer, but <laughs> it's one of those monkey paws situations yeah. where where you're like, hey, you know, can you get our Terry Lekkanen back on the power play? And then you know the old monkey paw curls. At the end. Yeah, but one thing I did not expect, like I knew the Seattle penalty kill was good. They were suffocating. In game one there. Grubauer looked pretty good. Like, you talked about it a bunch. They're a good defensive team. It's just kind of on Grubauer here. You you dropped uh, some stats on the, you know, the Gord line facing off on the McKinnon line this season. It's a small sample, but it's kind of shocking still. That being said, like, I, the analysis from the other day still remains. I think Colorado is the better team, obviously. I still think they win the series, whether it's, you know, a bit longer now. I think McKinnon and Rantanen will end up having a big game at some point this series. Could be today, could be whatever. But, you know, I, I don't think it's as simple as, oh, let's just jam in Colorado now because Seattle came to play and they look good. Yeah, Um I am going to start on the Seattle side. Uh, like, they did look really, really good um, on the – uh in game one yeah like we did mention it the other day but i'll just reiterate it over the course of the season the only teams with a lower expected goals against in seattle were carolina los angeles and boston um they had better expected goals numbers than new jersey colorado dallas calgary you know what have you um the only reason their goals against numbers were anywhere as close to the middle of the league was the goaltending. Like if this team has 925 goaltending instead of, you know, 906 or whatever it was a five on five, um, you know, this team not necessarily favored in the Western conference, but probably a wagon. And yeah, I, what I mentioned um, earlier today was just how dominant Seattle had been up against, um, up against McKinnon and Ranton. Uh, they were basically shutting them down during the regular season. Only three games. But against me, when Seattle played Ranton and McKinnon, Ranton and McKinnon generated 1.7 expected goals per 60 minutes against the Kraken at 5-on-5 and under 50 shot attempts per 60 minutes. That's crazy. Honestly, you'll, you'll look at most of the teams they play against, their expected goals will probably be double that. And uh, like, I'm not exaggerating either. Like they will probably be double that. Um, it, it is a small sample, but that's three full games of Seattle completely shutting down the McKinnon line, both on the road and at home. Um, and now four, including game one of the postseason. So like 
you know, you got to consider that one of the best teams in the league defensively this season that has done a tremendous job in a small sample shutting down Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen can keep shutting down Nathan McKinnon and, and Miko Rantanen as long as Grubauer doesn't fall apart. We got to remember, like, Colorado still generated 35 shots in that game. Like, it's not like they were, you know, held to 21 shots and looked feckless or something like that. Um, but the, even on the chances they gave up, Grubauer was was standing his ground and playing well. So I got to give him credit. Um, you know, that Colorado top line, we talked about it on the last show. They were really, really good this season. And one thing I always look for uh, with Colorado players is how they do with and without Kale McCarr on the ice because that's one of the little patterns that I've been able to notice over the last few years is that, you know, big surprise, players are going to do better when Kale McCarr is on the ice with them. But uh, this season, Ranton and McKinnon were basically as good offensively uh, with McCarr on the ice as they were without him. And I think that's important to note because, you know, it certainly doesn't make the matchup proof as we've seen uh, against Seattle. But it's good to know that as well, even if – in those shifts when McCarr is not on the ice, they can still generate in theory. Um, they did combine for 16 shots on goal in game one, uh, McKinnon, Rantanen and, and Rodriguez. So yes, you know, they were still getting ice. Like Rod- Rodriguez played close to 20 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. So lots of ice time, still generating shots. Um, you got to wonder about the quality of those shots, but they still generated quite a bit. Uh, the Seattle second line, again, with Lekin and, and uh, Nachushkin there, 3.3 expected goals for 1.7 against. So pretty good defensively. They've had a lot of trouble finishing, which I think makes sense when you look at Confer, Nachushkin, and Lekin on, on a line together. Like those guys aren't typically, you know, high goal scorers or high or super high percentage shooters anyway. Um, so I guess that kind of makes sense. It, it just really worries me because like, if you're a line that can generate a lot but struggles to score in the best of times, what are you going to do against one of the best defensive teams in the league? So uh, I'm not one of the people that would run out and play Colorado two as a fillery type here tonight. I think if I were to play Colorado, I, I like it's just go back to the top line or nothing for me. If you want to take out Rodriguez and put in a, P, a power play guy like Lekin or, or Nachushkin, I think that's just fine. But we're, you know, Rodriguez did play 20 minutes last game because there wasn't a, a ton of power play time going around. So, uh, you know, I don't mind just playing, <coughs> pardon me, all of Colorado one together, especially where they're the best leverage line on the entire slate. Like if you're playing 20 lineups, you're probably playing some Colorado. And if you're playing single entry, I, I think there's merit to both sides right like the one side is seattle's shut them down for four games now the other side is all they need is one lucky game and there's a ton of positive leverage ownership wise on them here tonight so i don't mind playing colorado one on the seattle side um i don't know if anybody looked at the ice time in that game but the mccann veneers everly line was not their top line uh at least not by ice time i think it was winberg right yeah well yeah i mean the thing is, is because of the broken power plays, everybody just, you know, everybody just kind of plays a lot of weird minutes. Like you'll see, I think Yanni Gord played over 20 minutes in that game while uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand and uh, Ely Tolvin uh, were down closer around 15 or 16 minutes. Even though those guys are on the top power play unit, it was because um, there just wasn't a lot of power plays in that game. So if you go look at game one, Wenberg played over 20 minutes. Yanni Gord played over 20 minutes. Jaden Schwartz played 17, 24, and then every other forward played under 17. So they're playing Gord and, and Wenberg a ton. And the Beneers line, not a lot. Uh, I wonder if that's a matchup thing. Like they don't want Beneers up against Nathan McKinnon or something like that, which, you know, that makes sense to me. But Colorado dictated the matchups last game. And they, they specifically sent out Nathan McKinnon against Yanni Gordon and Neely Tolman and, and Oliver Bjorkstrand. So I, I maybe the Come ice time, maybe the ice time for McCann and Everly was dictated by what Colorado decided to do with their matchups. Like maybe Seattle was just like, okay, you want to play them against our checking line. We'll play our checking line 20 minutes. We don't care. <laughs> like I, that, it's kind of seems like that's what Seattle said. 
and they won the game. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if Colorado goes back to that. I can't imagine they do. Like, you know, Colorado going up against the Beneers line would, I think, favor Colorado quite a bit. But they act like it's tough to rely on the coach to just kind of change his strategy between game one and game two without any indication that he'll do it. So I, I don't mind going back to that Gord, Gord, Tolvin, and Bjorkstrand line. Like, listen, if they're going to play um, Yanny Gord 20 minutes and, you know, Bjorkstrand and Tolvin are going to play 16 to 17 minutes, I don't care that they're coming in. Uh, over home. I think it's they make one of those nice filler spots if you're playing super expensive Toronto or super expensive Tampa or, or even game stacking Colorado. Um, I think they just make too much sense with the ice time with the ice time that they're getting. Uh, one final note I just want to mention about that line. Tolvin and Bjorkstrand are quote on the top power play unit. Um, the one with the Nears. Uh what I noticed about ownership for the other games, like this is game two of this batch of games, game two for the other batch of games was last night. I looked at the ownership between that changes between game one and game two of the other batch of games. Most of the ownership changes came from the power top power play guys. So uh, for those other batch of games, it meant like more, um, it meant a lot more owner. Well, it just meant a lot more ownership for the top power play guys. Um, so I don't know if I want to go to McCann, Beneers, and Everly, and I do, don't know if I want to go to Gord, Tolvin, and Bjorkstrand because I'm worried that they're going to carry a lot more ownership than the 7% that, that we're showing, but it is Gord, Tolvin, and Bjorkstrand that I like best. I just wonder if they're not going to end up in double-digit ownership. I'm also wondering if Bedner changes those matchups because they're coming off a loss, you know what I mean? I wonder if he sends them out against a different line. I don't think it matters they play so much but like i think in a nutshell you probably even want them out against the wenberg line but maybe he's just resigned to the fact that there's not really a great matchup to go up against because there's really not when you look at the kraken lines yeah i prop yeah i don't know like I, I the one i wouldn't at home would be the gord line but you know not jared bedner i'm not in that room we have a four ninety nine super chat from our neighborhood friendly M Haas seventeen, who's had a, a, a very rough few weeks. I may add in our Discord, he is going through it. But you know, he says in Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator voice, "Will Cliffy be back?" I'm not sure what you're referring to. I mean, I, maybe he's he means next season. Um, it's certainly too early to say that right now. Um, you know, I don't know where I'm going to be in six months. I, you know, if I'm still playing DFS and writing about DFS, I, you know, I'd probably still be here, but uh, we'll see what things look like. Like the, we're not going to get into it right now, but the sports bet is sports betting is changing the DFS landscape quite a bit. I think you and I were talking about that in DMS uh, before the show. So um, we'll see what things look like when September rolls around, but you know, if I can come back, I'd love to be back. It, if, you know, if, you know, DK offers NHL contests. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for caring, Haas. You know, what am I just chopped liver to you? you you're mad at me because I'm yelling at you about catering trays? You might be. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Seriously, what's the catering tray for? Anyway, uh, if you click the link in the description below, you can get 50% off any of our platinum packages weekly or monthly. At 50% off, the weekly platinum package will be under $20, uh, which is a steal. The monthly will be under $60, normally $120. It gets you access to all of our sports and all of our tools. And I know it's not NFL season, which is the biggie, but we have the NBA playoffs going on right now. We have NHL playoffs as well. We have UFC. We have MLB in full swing. We have golf, esports. NASCAR, F1. So this is a great time to take advantage of that, and you can get 50% off. You have to click the link in the description below. It will auto-populate the uh, code you need, and you sign up from there. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor, because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, 
which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Let's move on to the last game of the slate here. The Winnipeg Jets with a 2.5 total heading into Vegas. The Golden Knights have a three total. Connor Hellbuck, Laurent Brossois are confirmed. Vegas looked completely shell-shocked in the first game. Uh, the Winnipeg top line... Um, the Winnipeg top line went pretty well there. I, I think there might be some merits going back to Vegas here. The problem is the ownership is a bit high for my liking. Yeah, um, that was my first note that I wrote down um, was that high ownership on every Vegas line. Um, the Jack Eichel, uh, I mean, it de- certainly depends what they go back to, but the indications are they're, they're going to start the game with the lines that they started the last game with. So that means going back to Barbershev, Eichel, Marceau, going back to Amadio, Stevenson, Stone, going back to Kessel, Smith, and Carlson. But the fact that they started last game with that, got their brains beat in and changed their lineups, but are going back to it tells me that one goal from Winnipeg in the first period in these Vegas lines are getting blown up again. Um, so if they don't come out and hit the ground running, we could see a lot of different Vegas line combinations by the time the second period rolls around. Uh, so every Vegas line's coming in with negative leverage. There's going to be the least amount of leverage uh, on the Jack Eichel line, usually the most expensive line. Usually the most expensive line has the least negative leverage. Um, so if you were to play Vegas, you could go to the Jack Eichel line. I was looking at the Eichel, Marcheseau, Barbashev numbers. Like Barbashev, we said it on, on the last show when we were talking about Vegas. He was under the learning tree in St. Louis under really good playmaker guys like uh, Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron. I think you might even be able to throw Robert Thomas into that conversation. So Barbashev, his playmaking skills really took off over the last few years. It's the one thing he really, really excels at. And I was looking over the, their like their last 100-ish minutes of the regular season. They got all the way up to 3.1 expected goals and 4.6 actual goals per 60 minutes. So I go Barbashev and Marsh. So it's kind of tickling my fancy again. Um the problem is, is like, I think there's an argument that this current Winnipeg top line of Connor Dubois Shifley is the worst defensive line that they have. And I want Vegas one to go into that matchup, but they sent out Stevenson and Stone against uh, the Winnipeg top line last game. And Stevenson and Stone got absolutely embarrassed. And I'm wondering if they don't change it up. Like, listen, I, I know there's conversation around Golden Knights fans right now about whether or not you play Mark Stone. If Mark Stone's healthy, you play him. I don't care if he hasn't played in two months or whatever. He's in the lineup. Whether you play him 21 minutes and put him in a shutdown matchup against the opposing team's top line right away, I think is an open question. But he plays. Uh, I just wonder if they send out Stevenson and Stone back in that shutdown match. Because, like... (laughs) I don't know how many games of Mark Stones I've watched over the years. A lot. I don't remember a lot where he just flat out looked bad like he did in game one. He just looked bad. And, you know, a lot of rust. He had two months off. No game action. Give him some time. They had less than two weeks to figure it out. So, um, I'm wondering if you if we don't see like maybe they use the fourth line at times in some shutdown matchups, maybe they use Eichel at times in some shutdown matchups. I don't think they want to send the Phil Kessel line out in the shutdown matchups, but I wonder if Stevenson and Stone don't see some easier competition uh, for, you know, quote easier competition further down the lineup. And that would make me want to go to Eichel, Marsh, Stone, Barbashev at least a little bit. Uh, two out of the three guys still on the top power play unit, whether that's worth anything, uh, you know, remains to be seen. Winnipeg does have a good penalty kill. The Vegas power play did not look great, <laughs> good in game one. Um, so I do like Eichel, Marshall, and Barbashev back again. But, you know, there is going to be quite a bit of ownership on them. And that's just the thing that worries me. And again, they could be broken up after like the first 10 minutes of the game. Uh like if they don't get off to a good start, the lines are going to be fluid again. And that's just a big problem with stacking Vegas here, but I would go back to the Eichel line uh, of anything on the Winnipeg side. 
so like obviously the top line is the one that should be in play. I had a little bit of interest in the second line, Niederreier, Nemestikov, and Wheeler. Quite surprisingly, Wheeler and Nemestikov have great offensive numbers together this season. 3.2 expected goals for, 3.5 actual goals for. Now, a lot of that was with Nikolai Ehlers, but Niederreiter's a pretty good replacement for him. And in a small sample without Niederreiter in the regular season, Nemestikov and Wheeler were good together. So I don't mind that Winnipeg 2 line as a filler. But there's coming in with a ton of ownership. Like, that's the only problem. Like, I think I'd rather go, you know, maybe to the Rangers third line or to that back to that Gord line or, you know, Toronto three or something like that. I just think there are spots you can go get a pretty low owned line uh, at the same price. That's my only thing. So I think I'd be more in on Winnipeg one despite uh, higher ownership. They just have a way higher top two stack probability. I don't mind Winnipeg too, though. If you know they do have good numbers together, I don't think it's a terrible matchup. Um, I just worry about ownership. That's all. So I think in this game it's the Eichel line and then Winnipeg two on the other side. But I think there are probably five playable lines at the very least in this game, if not six. So I think there's a lot to like, even though this game might carry a lot of ownership. You know what else about this? The first game of the series was it was just crazy. Alex Petrangelo didn't even have a shot attempt. Not one. And weird ice time allocation as well. Like I think he played twenty three minutes, and then every other defenseman was under twenty. Like they did that Quinn Hughes thing, where Quinn Hughes gets a lot of ice time in in Vancouver, and then everybody else plays like seventeen minutes. Like it was weird ice time allocation. But I don't know. I'm not coach. Yeah. I kind of like this slate a little bit better than the other day. It's a little bit more oh, open. Sorry, I just want to mention one last thing about that Winnipeg-Vegas game. With Ehlers, Ehlers is officially a game-time decision for Winnipeg. He skated yesterday, I think, but he didn't skate on either power play unit. And, you know, not even being on the second power play unit is a bridge too far. So I suspect that Ehlers is not going to be playing tonight. And the Winnipeg power play actually scored a lot more with Blake Wheeler on the power play, not necessarily replacing Ehlers, just having Wheeler there um, on the top power play unit. The Winnipeg power play was a lot better with him than without, which I think makes sense because Wheeler's still a pretty good playmaker. He's just, you know, you have to excuse my friend. He's kind of slow. <laughs> That's one of my favorite memes <laughs> that I've used recently. You're going to have to excuse my friend. He's a little bit slow. I think this slate is a little bit more wide open, which is good because the slate on Tuesday just kind of like, let's jam Colorado and fill around them. And it didn't go too well. I think I have some interesting decisions to I make. Mean, I mean, I jammed Vegas and filled around them, and that didn't go well either. Yeah. We just live in the dream, making a difference on Tuesday. Let's talk about these defensemen. We'll have to wait and see what the Tampa Bay blue line looks like because if Hedman's out, I think Sergachev's a pretty, pretty good play that bumps up. Uh, you know, Nick Perbix, got to talk to your doctor about him. Darren Radish, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, we'll have to wait and see what the line or what the yeah, line Radish is. played like 24 minutes last game after Hedman got injured. Like, and Perbix only played like 17 or 18. Seems yeah. like they favor Radish right now. Yeah, it's, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what they look like there, but it looks like the other blue lines are generally similar to what they were the other night. And I will say, it was interesting on Tuesday because everyone was jamming like McKinnon and Randon. Cal McCarr, he didn't have a great game, but he was pretty, pretty low owned because he's, you know, he's the most expensive on the board. I think he's an interesting option here tonight if you're spending up with D. Obviously, that's not like breaking news, but if he's going to be a bit lower owned than, you know, McKinnon and Ranton, I think, you know, I think McCarr is a pretty good play in the blue line. Who else are you liking? Um, besides the one you, the ones you've mentioned already, the guy in the mid-price range, I'm going to mention him again. He had, I think, five block shots in game one. It was Adam Larson. Um, him and Vince Dunn played like 27 or 28 minutes or something like that in game one. And Adam Larson is a shot blocking machine and he's got a little bit of offensive juice to him. Like he's not just a pure shot blocking guy. Um, he can jump into the play. So 
you know, Mikhail Sergeyev in that mid-price range, I think, makes the most sense. But he's also going to carry a ton of ownership. And I think Adam Larson, at his price, he might have to block a lot of shots again. Uh, he's honestly one of – yeah, I like him uh, here tonight. Um, also mentioned Josh Morrissey. I know it's not necessarily a great power play spot against Vegas, um, but he's going to have to play a lot of minutes again. And like I said, the Winnipeg power play has been better with Blake Wheeler. So maybe in the couple chances that they do get, you know, maybe Morrissey can donk an assist or something like that. Uh, for the cheap guys, like Darren Radish and John Marino were at the top of my list for like the super, super cheap. I think Luke Shen, I hate to say it. I think he's playable. He's oh, 25 yeah. He's 2,500 and he'll play 15 minutes, but I'd rather play Radish or Marino if you're like dumpster diving. If you're paying up a little bit more expensive, uh, Keandre Miller for sure. Uh, Justin Schultz, he's not going to play a lot of minutes for Seattle either, but he's still running a power play unit. Braden McNabb, I think he, I think he got the second most minutes after Petrangelo in game one. So Braden McNabb and Dylan DeMello, he played a lot of minutes uh, with Josh Morrissey in game one as well. Yeah. It's interesting to see some of these minute allocations because I wanted to play Brock Faber again last night, and I saw he only played 17 minutes in a double overtime game where players like Matt Dumbo were playing like 38. So it's like some of these guys, they just shorten their bench, which is – you get it, but like it's – you got to play these guys that get the minutes sometimes, so – which makes them not cheap, but – that's what makes playoff hockey building lineups fun here. Looking at the goalies again, I like all the road goalies again. There yeah. like, there, there's not like a home goalie that I'm super confident. Like, I guess like Yorgiev is fine, but, you know, the Avs would have to win there. Um, I guess Vitek Vanacek, and you hope the Devils bounce back because the Rangers do shoot the puck a bunch. Um, but I'm more on the road goalies here. Yeah, I like uh, Igor – it's was at the top of my list. Grubauer was just behind him. I'm mad I didn't play Grubauer in the first game. I had him in my lineup and I took him out and I put in Igor just because I wanted to be safe or whatever. It's just such a fish move. Anyways, I do like Igor and Grubauer again. The home goalie I would go to is Brossois, right? Um, like if Vegas turns in <laughs> like another terrible uh, defensive effort like they just did, like, Brossois might see a fair bit of puck here tonight. And, like, Winnipeg, you know, they're top 10 by shot rate over the final six weeks of the season. It's not like they don't shoot. Like, you know, if Vegas is bad defensively again, Brossois could see a fair bit of volume. So, I think of, like, the expensive home goalies. He's my favorite here tonight. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to use someone on the road. It's probably going to be Igor. <laughs> but uh, I haven't built my lineup yet. Um who are you looking for your hat trick pick? Uh, I'm gonna go with a guy that I made an outlandish prediction before the season about that came became a wildly wrong outlandish prediction. But I want to see him have some playoff success, so I'm gonna put it out into the universe. Maybe he'll get some good uh, mojo going his way. I'm going with Jack Eichel. The Eichel slander has just been brutal. Just brutal. I'm, I'm sick of it, Josh. Is what I am. I'm sick yeah. of it. Yeah. I'm gonna use Igor. There's a shot. Uh, I need to just stick a thorn in the in the leaf side for the for the next six months because this is the last time. Mitch Marner, hat trick pick, baby. <laughs> perfect. That's the perfect way to end the season. Yeah. Um, but for real, this is our last show of the season. So this will be our official goodbye. Thank you everyone for tuning in all season. Thank you for supporting us all season. Uh, the viewership has been great. The feedback has been great. Truly appreciate uh, all the positive and constructive criticism or, you know, like Devils fans getting mad at me for calling them fair weather, even though I put a winky face in there and I was being facetious. So B-Man, got to, you know, get a little tougher skin. But uh, <laughs> um, no, but thank you. Thank you very much. And if we are back next season, can't wait to uh, see you in October. There should be a button that is red and one that has a knuckle that has this. And click on those buttons. There you go. I've got nothing else to add to what Avery just said. Um, other than let's enjoy, let's enjoy some playoff hockey. Uh, let's have a good off season. Uh, we'll see where things stand next year. But thanks. 
to everyone uh, for tuning in all season. Uh, it has been a lot of fun. Uh, this has been my favorite season. I, I think since I've started, I started doing this like six years ago. I think it has been my favorite season, like by far. Uh, maybe it's just because we finally got to have a normal one after a few unnormal ones, but um, was a lot of fun. Uh, let's have, let's hope we can uh, keep the screenshots coming in the Discord. Uh, I got nothing else to say. Go Kings, go! Yeah, let's, let's our Kings. Let's make a run, Kings. Our Los Angeles Kings. Our Los Angeles Kings. Get on the ice, Fiala. Good luck, everybody. We'll see you next season. See you next season, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details